I'm Taylor. And I'm Mackenzie. And, and we're, we're twins. twins. I like starting things and sometimes finishing them. And I love talking about television, which made us want to deep dive into TV pilots. So join us each week as we analyze, dissect, and possibly even enjoy some of television's greatest opening episodes in From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. everybody to From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie, where we talk about a different TV pilot every week. This week we're talking about the pilot of Seinfeld. <laughs> Guys, I wish you could watch Taylor's mouth moving. That was like literally <laughs> perfect. Okay. And I will say that although the pilot is going to be our main subject of discussion, as always, there will be spoilers for the rest of the series. So our goal just, is to spoil. Just beware. Please do. Let's let's do it. All right, so let's begin. What are we getting into today, Taylor? Well, as always, we're going to spend the first half of our episode chatting about the actual pilot plot, the key storylines, and then the second half we're going to go over our five key questions to help us discuss the show concept, uh, the high points and low points, and the viability of the show. We will also answer a very important question. How many cotton balls does a woman need? As a man, I don't know, and I'm riveted to hear what my twin sister is going to say. So It's going to be riveting content, you guys. Cotton balls. <laughs> Cotton balls. Woo, woo. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, Seinfeld is a show that changed the landscape of TV. However, it started in 1989. The pilot aired July 5th, 1989, and was created by Larry David and the show's namesake, Jerry Seinfeld. 1980. Does that make you feel old? Well, we were only two at that point, so mm. I mostly just feel like the show is old. I have a very strong, visceral memory of watching this pilot as a two-year-old. I remember every moment. Obviously. But just a note about my background with the show, I am a huge Seinfeld fan. I would challenge anyone in the world, including Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David, to a Seinfeld trivia off. Is that too braggy? No, because when I think of Taylor, I think of Seinfeld or The Simpsons. Those are your top two pop culture remedies for life. So, <laughs> so you, you, don't you wear think that badge. Taylor, good brother, good husband and father, you think Taylor Seinfeld. When I'm, I'm fine thinking with that. about I'm fine the with TV that. shows you like, okay? All <laughs> okay. right. Okay. No, I do think you are one of Seinfeld's biggest fans and I'm curious how you started watching it because, like we said, we were two when it came out. Did we watch this like our kids watch Peppa Pig That's or something? That's a great question. I, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. The only thing I'll say is I know that our father, Ralph, was also a huge fan of the show. So whenever it was, at least in syndication later on, it, if an episode aired and we were home, it was probably on. That is, that is bold, but probably true. And I do have a lot of memories of just seeing a lot of khakis. <laughs> and uh, a lot of like long I feel like Jerry had a mullet for a while Oof. that's like big in my <laughs> childhood memory yeah I don't I don't know when we started watching the show specifically I know that we watched the finale and we'll talk about the finale a little bit because it's too good not to talk about too divisive not to talk. I know a lot of people hate it that's the only episode I know we definitely watched live so all that said we have watched a lot of this show I have watched a lot more than Mackenzie. Not that this is a competition. If it is, I win, but it's not. <laughs> Whoa. 
we're going there. All that said, it's a great show. It's lovely. As always, we're going to start with a plot summary, so I will get into that. Comedian Jerry Seinfeld struggles to understand the intentions of a female friend visiting from out of town. It, is that it? Is that the whole plot summary? <laughs> we are lucky that there's a summary at all since this is a show about nothing, so it could have just been some crickets playing. But yes. Okay. I was trying to write more, and I couldn't. You know, you did really sum up the show, so. Mm-hmm. I could have said, and George is there. Well, I think that wins for the shortest plot summary of all time, <laughs> but possible. it really does explain what this pilot episode is about. So why don't we begin with where does this pilot start? What is our scene one and the first impression that we get? The first impression the viewer gets is Jerry Seinfeld is a comedian. <laughs> um, if you are a Seinfeld fan, you know that most episodes, I think until like season eight, they all started with Jerry doing a stand-up bit which somehow related to the plot that happened in the story. So yes, the first couple minutes of the show are him doing stand-up about going out, which John Mulaney has kind of redone. I don't know if he was intentionally playing off of Seinfeld. I know he's a big Seinfeld fan. Is he the Seinfeld of our he generation, our age? He probably is the Seinfeld of our generation. Yeah. But yes, he talks about how much work it is to get out of the house, and then once you're out of the house, all you want to do is get home. And that's the activity of our lives. I can imagine some viewers just, oh, I don't like this comedian and just turning off the episode. But hey, if you don't like his stand-up, it's not the show for you. So at least it, knows, it tells you where we're going. And it, it does make you wonder, yes, if I like this brand of comedy, at least this is funny. But is this a sitcom or are we watching, <laughs> is this a sitcom about a, you know, a comedian? Are we watching the life of a comedian or are we watching his, his real life with his friends? Right. We're not sure which one it is from that beginning. But to me, it was funny. Did you think his stand-up was funny? Uh, yeah. It's it's <laughs> tough, you know. That was a little it's, hesitating. It's tough after 20 years. Jerry has so much great content, so many good bits. But after you've heard them so many times, like I can't laugh out loud now. The nice thing is I haven't seen this pilot episode very many times at all because season one is kind of forgotten a bit. I did find myself just kind of exhaling with a smile which is kind of, you know, I'm enjoying this, but I'm not going to laugh because it's not that funny. You're not going to LOL. If you know me, I don't write LOL in my texts. Because it's not true of Yeah, you. if you make me LOL, I will freaking say LOL. <laughs> I will write Raffle. You, you will be rolling on the floor laughing. Listen, it is a major feat to make you laugh, and I've made you laugh out loud a few times, but I cherish it every if single time. If you ever time. hear me do this, I... <laughs> you know that you've really said something funny. That was kind of a Mickey Mouse geisha. That an, yeah, an alien has like taken over your body. Please never do that again. I will say I hate this because it's where we're at in 2020 right now. He's talking about going out. And I just was like, <laughs> you know what? Shut up, Jerry. Because once we go out and we want to come back home, he, he's saying, you know, oh, we have so much to do. And when we're there, all we want to do is get back. No, I don't. Because all I do is stay at home. Or when I'm out, everything feels like an alternate reality. So it was an interesting idea to think about that in today's world. That is very bleak. Thank you. Well, Taylor, since you're the expert about Seinfeld between our twin duo and probably between most people you know, will you hit me up with a little bit of production history? How did this pilot get made? What is this show about nothing doing on TV in the late 80s and early 90s? Seinfeld has such an interesting history. Jerry was approached after a set by an NBC executive 
asking if he wanted to create a show, and they, they asked him to create a 90-minute comedy special to fill in on an off week for SNL, oh. talking about how comedians get their material, so kind of doing a stand-up slash real-life show, kind of what the, what the show became in a way, but they realized that it would work better as a 30-minute show. But the pilot got... It got a lukewarm reaction from the actual executives when it was first screened, and then a horrible rating when it was given to test audiences. Some great comments like, No segment of the audience was eager to watch the show again. None of the characters were particularly liked. Multiple executives said they hadn't at that time and still haven't ever seen a pilot report as negative as Seinfeld. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. That makes me curious as to how this even got picked up. Did Jerry have a lot of clout with somebody? Was he paying somebody? Was there a murderer, a hitman or something involved? There was involved? a number of ninjas. I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's how TV gets made, is ninja influence. Ninjas? Mm-hmm. Cool. No, there, luckily for the world, there were a couple of guys just doing whatever they could to get this show made. So after the horrible test run, they still decided to air the pilot because you need filler, you know, at random time slots. It was viewed by 11 million people, which seems crazy. Kill, shows wow. today would kill for that. I mean, that's that's Big Bang Theory right there. I never watched that show, so I'm not one of the 11 million. But <laughs> Me neither. I detest the Big Bang Theory. But the show did get very positive reactions from a lot of those viewers and a lot of critics saying that NBC was very stupid not to pick up the show. And so a couple of executives were trying to find a way to keep the show going. They cut out a two-hour block of time that was supposed to be like a Bob Hope comedy special or something like that, and then they used that time to give Seinfeld four more episodes and say, that's your season one, which is four more, which is the smallest show order in the history of television. And then, of course, it's kind of snowballed from there. People were like, okay, I guess we can give it a full season because a few more people are beginning to like it. And even for the first few seasons, it didn't pick up. I think season four, everyone realized, okay, this is going to be something very special, but it took a lot of, it was a slow bloom if you want to picture a flower. I will say that that's a lot of seasons to have to get through. I mean, I know The Office, they didn't really turn until mostly the end of their second season and the third seemed like they were going to be a real show. So to get through like season four, that being the turning point, that's an impressive amount of money continuing to be spent on a pilot or on a the beginning of a show. Right, and, and you look back at seasons two and three and there's just some killer episodes. So you just have to think audiences had to get used to what they were seeing, I guess. And now we know, we're used to it now in in the 2020 time uh, <laughs> from shows like The Office and, and even Curb Your Enthusiasm later with Larry David of this kind of dry humor right. or the, the observational humor as as opposed to like the you know heartwarming family sitcom there just probably wasn't anything like it on TV. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the shows that kind of beat it out to make it onto the schedule that year, it's like, oh, this is a show about a, a hardlining nun taking over control of an orphanage. And it's like, what? okay, they wanted that. Or, of course, the powerhouse Baywatch also started NBC 1989. I mean, can you compete Yeah, if it's a bunch of, you know. These two guys talking about the tiniest details of life or people running in red swimsuits in slow motion i know what i'm picking up should we do baywatch next week <laughs> Mackenzie? the i can just see the the gears turning in your head thinking oh dear god is are we actually doing that uh i cannot for the life of me 
recall the name of the very famous person <laughs> who stars in Beyond. <laughs> It'll come to you. It's like one of those ones where it's like, give, break me off a piece of that <laughs> Kit Kat bar moment from The Office where I'm just like, I'm seeing his It's going to come to you in like 10 I'm minutes when we're face. talking about something else. And I want you to scream his name out All of right. nowhere. I'm just going to yell it. I'm not going <laughs> to Google it when it comes up. I'm just going to yell. I can't even, it's not even coming. You guys, this is fun. All right. Is there anything else important that we need to know? This is the last thing I'll say. I know I've talked a lot about this. All right. I love, if you know the, the history of Seinfeld at all, you'll know that Larry David was always threatening to quit. He he either wanted certain things to change or he felt like he didn't have any material. So when he was given the four-episode order, he was actually very happy because he thought, well, I probably don't have more than four stories in me, so let's just do four. Little did he know. That's a real pessimistic mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Mackenzie, I've talked a lot, so why don't you get us into our main bulk of the episode, our key storylines. Well, our first key storyline is Laura's intentions. And Laura's not a key character for any other episode but this one. So if you haven't seen the episode in a while, Jerry has this female friend who he doesn't know if he likes, if she likes him or not, and she's coming into town. And so him and George spend much of the entire episode debating about is she a friend? Does she like you? Why is she coming? Should she stay at your apartment? What's going to happen if she stays at your apartment? And that's literally the that's the entire through line of the show. And it's funny because I imagine these guys talking about this. I'm like, do boys spend time talking about this? Do men? They're full-blown men at this point. Uh, are they talking about girls this way? Is this a thing? Well, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld mentions at some point that he wanted the show to be like, going into the sections of life where there aren't any actual rules so in this case what is the decorum for telling someone like i'm coming into town and it's because i want to sleep with you you know so the reason they have to they're just guessing yeah they're just guessing and i will say she should have been a little more clear but we learn in the end that she's engaged and you got to come up you got to start with that you don't want the the man, the single man you're coming across the country to stay with thinking, hmm, do I need a second bed for you? Although it's very presumptuous to say, here is the bed we'll be sleeping in. Yes. I mean, to his credit, and maybe it's because it's the late 80s and early 90s, he does get an extra bed mm-hmm. and like cleans the apartment for her. I feel like in today's world, it would be like, we're hooking up, right? So things have changed for the worse, apparently, <laughs> in terms of chivalry, but... No, this is this is season one, Jerry, where he's actually a nice guy and will think about getting a bed for his friend. I find that the crux of this episode is the interaction when she gets off of the plane and they greet, and George and Jerry are trying are discussing like, what do these different greetings mean? So I'm going to ask you, Mackenzie, you are meeting a friend, you get off the plane and you see them. What greeting do you give them? I think the only solid greeting, especially if it's just a friend is a straight up high five just give them a high five or like a a very quick kind of throw your arm over their shoulder hug where you pat them on the back because a pat means you're friends that is a friend what if you pat pat, them on the butt that is different i i did have a boyfriend once though who would pat me when we'd hug and i'm like do you even like me (laughs) like what is this Uh, wait you wouldn't koala koala bear hug them only as a high school girl with a lot of hormones so (laughs) no um I, I thought that the, the blindfold hand over the eyes was just so cringe, you know, inducing. 
And that's actually the greeting that they hate the most. I remember people doing that to me even as a child and just being like, get off me. Oh, it's the worst. Yes. I got to play that audio because this is my favorite line from the episode and I think it stands the test of time. So here it goes. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting greeting. Did you notice that, George? Yes, the surprise blindfold greeting. <laughs> that wasn't in the manual. I, I do agree that the high five is the safest way to go. I mean, you could have said fist bump. After they do the surprise blindfold, they do the awkward two hands fingers intermeshed oh gosh waving thing that was painful uh, it's, it's pretty bad have you ever done that in your life <laughs> uh probably in an awkward way also like i feel like that can only happen in an awkward context where you don't know what's happening and your arms go out yes maybe you were going for a hug and they just met your hands because they have never had a human interaction before i don't know listen if you're only gonna watch one minute of this pilot go watch that just so you can feel really uncomfortable <laughs> it was amazing it was amazing quite well, that, yeah, as you said, Mackenzie, that is kind of a whole episode. She gets a phone call later, which is her fiancé, and he realizes that she's engaged. And they don't ever even have a, a, a scene ending it saying how Jerry reacted to that. I assume he just begrudgingly took her on a boat tour of the city or whatever she wanted to do. That is a great segue into key storyline number two, which is kind of a storyline. Since that was the only storyline, the rest of these are kind of... We're just adding a couple. Yeah. This can't be the key storyline because that's just not how things go here on From the Top with Taylor McKenzie. So number two is stand-up. This is a running thing throughout the show, which I was surprised to see because I don't think I've ever seen the pilot because that's not how it normally is on the episodes, right? Yeah, so this one, it like goes in and out throughout the episode multiple times. Eventually, the stand-up is only right at the beginning and right at the ending, but this takes up like... I think I did, I think it was over six minutes, so over a quarter of the show is him doing stand-up, wow. which makes it feel like, okay, we don't have enough story to fill up a 22-minute show. Let's put a little more stand-up in there. <laughs> which is funny because most people have to cut out so much right. in order to cut their show down to 22 minutes. It does make me curious later on if test audiences just weren't as into that much stand-up or if they ended up just having more story and more fun ideas maybe a combination of both yeah well yeah it's rare to see any show like this where there's no b plot like so many shows have with an ensemble cast have c plots even and this just has a plot and filler yeah so maybe the executives were like this is different but (laughs) not always in a good way i don't know What I did enjoy about the several moments of stand-up in this episode is that Jerry talks about how men are supposed to understand women and the ways that, you know, men try to like honk a car (laughs) at women to get their attention, but then they're just analyzing how women react to them. That was pretty funny, even, you know, 30-some years later. And I liked that it connected back to the show itself. Yeah, that's definitely a classic Seinfeld bit about the car horn. Have you ever had a car horn honked at you by a man? I have had like a classic like, hey, baby... You know, like kind of construction worker shouting from the the construction. There's the pigeon <laughs> again. Okay. That's going to be a thing in from the top I of Taylor so. McKenzie apparently. Just one or two of those kind of catcall moments, but never a, never a honking horn. Usually I assume I need to like get off the road. <laughs> that is something. a safe assumption and where your mind should go first because yeah. you don't want to get hit by a car. My other question for you is his stand-up saying that that women are reading magazines saying where to find men. And he says, we're, he- we're everywhere. Come find us. What is your reaction as a woman to that? I definitely laughed. I was making dinner while I was watching this and was laughing as I chopped my onions. 
I feel like there are so many of my single friends who are like, where are all the guys who are, you know, stand up, chivalrous, loving, servant-hearted type of guys. So maybe Jerry's just not one of those. <laughs> we'll find that out later. But I, I thought that was funny because I think every I think every gender has that question of like, where are they? And it's just hard to find the right person. That's true. When you're not, you know, 16 or 20 when you found your partner like we did. So Yes. All right, let's move into key storyline numero tres. Habla espanol. That is all I know in Spanish. This, this third key storyline is Kramer. And... I have to say, this was the most disappointing part of the pilot for me. Well, scratch that. I'll say that later because there's no Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That was the most disappointing part. But in terms of what was actually there, it wasn't the Kramer that I grew to love. It's not even Kramer. It's Kessler. He has a different name. I didn't even Mm -hmm. notice that. It's ridiculous. Well, that's how unremarkable he seemed. Tell Tell me a little bit about what happens in this pilot so that we can jog people's memory, but also so we can compare it to later on. Well, Kramer, he appears to be an agoraphobic because he hasn't left the apartment in 10 years. He's just wearing a bathrobe. So I think we're led to assume he always wears a bathrobe. (laughs) He has a dog. He's just more, I would say, more feral as a human. He appears like... Oh, gosh. He's just kind of... I mean, Kramer's always jumpy and, and interesting, but he seems like a... Like a underbaked Kramer at this point, which makes sense. It's the pilot, but yes, he's definitely off. And you know, it was interesting to me. I'm curious your thoughts, Taylor, because his comedy was very physical, and of course, it only gets more physical right. throughout the show. Um, but it felt a little like slapsticky, which was a very different play off of George and Jerry, where there's just very like cerebral and they're talking about the everyday bits of life and there's nothing slapsticky about it and then you get kramer did they feel like they needed a character like that to juxtapose these guys that's a great that's a think? great question i don't i've never read anything as to why exactly they cast him i, I mean i assume that he just fit the character of kenny kramer who is larry david's real life neighbor so i assume they were just looking for someone awesome. who had some element of that in their personality yeah it, it, it is a very weird juxtaposition between the two like Let's examine where the rules of life don't quite fit. And then, yeah, he bursts through the door and... You have a... That's crazy. He's talking about meat. He needs <laughs> a, he needs bread for a sandwich and he's like flopping lunch meat around, which, you know, do you really want another third male character that is doing the exact same thing as Jerry and right. George? No. It just... It was very interesting. And I guess if you're in New York and you got this weird neighbor, there you go. And that that is much of where we're going to see Kramer go is the weird neighbor and Mm -hmm. it doesn't change much Mm -hmm. and you know it doesn't have to because his character plays off really well will you take us to our final key storyline yeah this is again not even a key storyline about the pilot because there's only one but it's just about the the premise (laughs) as the show being about nothing and we've mentioned this a couple times already the show is is about the little minutiae of life i mentioned that as i watched it i kind of just went (laughs) you know the tiny tiniest laughs i always feel kind of bad if i'm at a comedy show or something where someone's doing live comedy and i never laugh out loud it's like i'm laughing in my heart i'm so full of joy but they would never know it from my tiny smile i can imagine you'd want somebody to have like hearty guffaw when you're trying to be funny up on stage i do remember i had someone fairly recently talk to me about how i i sometimes say um oh that's really funny i will say that but i won't laugh and I like got called out on it, which was very, it was actually really funny, but it was like a, 
Well, normally if something's funny enough, you laugh. You don't need to say, oh, that's funny because you don't really think it's funny, do you? And I was like, don't try to bring conflict right now. I do not like conflict. But it was funny because I can't think something is funny and understand why it's funny without it being my particular brand of humor. And that's okay. Uh, I I did have a few minutes of laughing. Actually, Uh, I laughed a couple times. I chuckled. I mean, I remember the first time I got into Parks and Rec, which was which was too late. Um, should have watched it earlier. And by the second episode of the second season, I was giggling out loud. So we don't have those those kind of moments here for sure. Yeah, I'm very glad you bring up the idea of just saying that's funny, because that is the plot line to what many consider the best episode of Seinfeld ever, which is the switch. Well, there we where go. Where Jerry's trying to date his girlfriend's roommate instead of his girlfriend because his girlfriend only (laughs) says that's funny but the roommate just has a great laugh oh my gosh so i would not be able to work out with jerry seinfeld is what you're saying because i could not feed his comedian ego do you think that's why he would dump you there's a whole lot of other reasons (laughs) i think so (laughs) this is i mean you are an amazing well-rounded person and the fact that you're four eight like doesn't it doesn't even come up like when I think when people meet you, they're like, oh, she's short. But it's not like, hmm, what has her life been like? You know, my life has been very interesting because I'm that short. Actually, I'm I'm four foot eight inches, eight inches tall. If you didn't just hear Tay say that. And yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Let's just say that. But I'm just imagining that if you were cast as one of his girlfriends, that would be what the episode talked about. Oh, my you gosh. Know? And it would probably be very not politically correct mm-hmm. and probably really funny. I would love to have been written about. I probably have a lot of lines I could say, many of them probably unkind, but here we go. (laughs) Well, uh, I said that was our last key storyline. Why don't we have a fifth? We normally have five. There is nothing else to talk about. It is kind (laughs) of ridiculous. Like This is such a different pilot from anything certainly we've done in three episodes so far, but anything else I can think about, there's just no world building, I guess, you know, you wouldn't really call it world building in this, but yeah, there's very little introduction to anyone. You're told that Jerry is a comic. You don't know much about George other than he works in real estate. Kramer is possibly an agoraphobe, but he, that storyline is dropped for the rest of the series. There's no Elaine. It's kind of crazy how bare bones it is. So instead of a fifth storyline, let's just look, take a moment to look at all the changes between the pilot and the show proper we mentioned a few already Mackenzie will you just list them for me all right the first change is Kramer who once was Kessler so his name has changed and he's not an agoraphobe anymore he secondly has a dog do we ever see that dog again never I wish since episode two they just said well dog's dead (laughs) that would have been a very Seinfeld joke um number three Jerry's apartment is all wrong tell me there's no superman there's no bicycle I don't think he has a computer. Oh, There's a big yeah. window on the left side. I mean, this is very common for pilots to have weird sets, but... Number four is that Monk's is replaced by some kind of diner. Where was the restaurant sign? That's what I was mm-hmm. looking for, and there was none of it. None of it. Tom's Restaurant so lucky to be associated with Seinfeld. But yes, it's very sad that it's not in the pilot. I'm sure there's some story behind that, and we can go read about it someday. Uh, the fifth and saddest part, you guys is that Julia Louis Dreyfus does not appear at all. And I was definitely looking for her. Mm-hmm. What the heck? It is a tragedy. What the heck? I, I, this next one, 
feels the most shocking to me that George is portrayed as like the expert about women in this pilot. <laughs> He's explaining to Jerry like, here's the rules about women. And of course, as we know, George, I mean, we can just say George sucks. <laughs> he is always overanalyzing. You're going to regret saying that later. I'm just going to say that. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I I think that when we see how neurotic George is, because we see a bit of that here, mm-hmm. I wonder if part of his, he's conjecturing about women, if that's just his way of kind of creating some structure, throwing it out there, hoping that that's what's going to stick. Right. But yeah, he's definitely not an expert for the rest of the show. What about Seven? This is like the other travesty of the show. Kramer knocks on the door. He doesn't burst in. It's ridiculous. What was that about? I wonder, maybe maybe he does continue to knock in a couple more episodes before they realize, like, oh, his entrances are going to be followed by uproarious cheering, which is very ridiculous. We need him to slide in and burst in with his hair flopping because he's just come in so abruptly. Mm-hmm. I, I miss that. And the last major change that we want to talk about is that Jerry is very thoughtful and empathetic, which, you know, I appreciated when we're talking about ladies in this show. He's not being a total, like, dog. But this does not last very long in the series, does it? No. I mean, if you have seen the finale, you know that all four of the main characters are arrested for not helping a another human. They are innocent bystanders, but they're not helpful bystanders. So, yeah, you know that Jerry, one of his catchphrases becomes, well, that's a shame when something bad befalls people around him. But I don't know exactly when he becomes kind of this anti-hero. It is kind of interesting wondering, is Jerry the original comedy anti-hero? Like Ooh. I think about characters in family comedies or or anything where the more gruff characters still have these heartwarming, pull your heartstrings moments that show you like, oh, they really do have a, a golden side too. There, well, there's a redeeming moment about them. Right. And Jerry ends up turning out mostly not at all as a redeemable (laughs) character. But yeah, we root for him, which is, I've never really asked myself, should I be? He's the protagonist. But now with so many antiheroes in in pop culture, it's normal. Well, maybe he was a trailblazer and we go from Jerry Seinfeld to Walter White. So I think that Jerry Seinfeld and Walter White would get along very well. Because Walter White would kill someone and Jerry would be like, oh, that's a shame. (laughs) Well, I mean, let's Walter White played by Brian Cranston, who was a recurring character in Seinfeld. So in real life, I'm sure they'd have a lot to talk about. And maybe in fictional life, too. All right, Mackenzie, so those are our five key storylines. We can call them our five general notes since they're not really storylines. But we have not yet talked about the big question of the episode, which is why do women need so many cotton balls? Well, I don't know if we actually need that many cotton balls. When Jerry was talking about it, I was laughing because I feel like I too grew up with this notion that I need to just have a bag of cotton balls in my house at all times. Do you know how many times I use cotton balls on a, you know, weekly basis? Hundreds? Zero. (laughs) I don't use cotton balls. I'm wondering why women have them. Maybe it was different in the 80s, 90s that you were taking your makeup off with them? I know know my wife Lorian buys them and I've never seen her use them. I use them to take off nail polish, but then I switched to just plain old cotton rounds or paper towels because why do I need to buy extra cotton balls? I I use like Q-tips for my makeup. I literally don't remember the last time I used a cotton ball besides like making snowmen with my kids (laughs) for an art project. So maybe Jerry's Jerry's quandary is as much mine as his. Maybe they're delicious like in Elf where Will Ferrell just eats them. 
Do you think he actually ate cottonballs, <laughs> by great the way? That's a I Maybe Jerry Seinfeld I knows. wouldn't put it past Will Ferrell, just eating cottonballs. Well, now that we've wrapped up that very important Seinfeld-related question, I think it's a great time to segue into our five key questions, which we ask every episode, the same five. Mackenzie, let me start you off. Does this pilot have a message? This is where you insert crickets, because <laughs> no. And in my belief, it's not supposed to. Should I insert crickets this in post-production? This show about nothing. Yes, okay. please. Please do okay, that. Well, right now. I think there is a slight message. You can say it's for the pilot or the, or the entire series, but life is silly and perplexing, or that women are just perplexing to men. I don't know. Especially to Jerry, because he, like, doesn't have any class or a lot of sway with the ladies, but it's <laughs> yes. fine. I have learned not to just honk my car horn at women, but it is 2020. I mean, that's a pretty good takeaway from the show if you're going to... Maybe some men learned not to do that back in the 80s. I, that is that's hopeful. a good message. Hopefully. Thanks, Jerry, for that. <laughs> well, our next key question is, do they land the plane or do they pull a sully... And you need to go back and listen to episode three if you want to understand what we're talking about. Uh, one thing that is very interesting to me is that they don't do a lot of classic pilot setup mechanisms, like where new characters ask questions or have things explained to them for the sake of the viewer. And I guess it's not totally possible since the show is about nothing. Like they don't really need you to be like, oh, here's all these characters and how they relate and what how they relate to the to the premise as a whole they do set the tone at least for the first couple of seasons but you would never actually be able to guess like how zany the show will get in just a few years so to me it's just totally unrecognizable from you know from the pilot to the finale these are two different shows which isn't necessarily bad but all that said it's a sully if we're talking about setting up the show i think a bunch of birds hit the propellers and they're in the hudson is that what happened Maybe I need to brush up on my plane landing on the Hudson River. Oh, yeah, River. Tom Hanks stars as Sully in the movie. It's definitely right. worth a watch. But I will say, um, right. one know. other note, there's an idea called, like, I think it's called power creep in, like, fantasy sci-fi where things just get slowly more powerful just as a reason to have, like, more powerful bad guys to fight, you know? Hmm. And it seems like Seinfeld kind of does the same thing with comedy. Like, when you're mining the lives of your writers for funny ideas, eventually for new ideas to seem fresh and funny, they have to be a little bit more out there and suddenly instead of talking about a a airport greeting you're talking you're writing an episode where it's backwards and you're flying to a wedding in india just to spite your friend and it's like that's not relatable at all yes that's not what real people would yeah. do what about well you? and there is some relatability in the show which if that's what they're going for if they want to if they if they landed the plane in terms of oh you you got where you're supposed to go then it is the, the subtler everyday humor, I understood that. I mean, they literally open up the pilot talking about the buttons on George's <laughs> shirt. Like, I I was watching it, just my jaw open, like, this is what they started the show with. That is, that's ballsy. But you definitely, you get what they're going for here. I really thought that was an interesting choice because, you know, today, that subtle humor is part of what makes shows like The Office so great. And they weren't doing that back in the, you know, back in the right. day. But I think that what works with The Office and what doesn't work here is that you need a stronger cast of characters who are like are a bit more fleshed out. And I guess that goes against the like the show is about nothing, you know, mantra mm -hmm. of Seinfeld. But I think that subtle everyday humor, it 
I'm I'm wondering, is this going to be a little bit boring? Right. Although I did laugh. And I think that's where I would say the um, the juxtaposition between the sitcom and the stand-up. It's interesting. I don't think there were a lot of shows, you know, out there like that. But I did feel like the sitcom moments, the storyline moments, literally just felt like another stand-up bit. Mm-hmm. The, the jokes landed like the stand-up rhythm. And I'll give Jerry a little bit of grace there because... He's literally a comedian, and this is his first show that he's yeah. writing, you know. I, I definitely laughed at those moments, but it felt very much like I'm watching the cadence of a stand-up, and you're just, I, I'm imagining you on a stage talking about this moment. And maybe that's what they were going mm-hmm. for. It felt a little in your face. So, I don't know, maybe they almost landed on the Hudson, and then, like, were able to take off again. But it's not hard to understand why this did not test well with audiences. Yes. So, there you are. All right, Taylor, who is the breakout star? of this pilot or of Seinfeld? What do you want to answer? Well, my lovely, brilliant wife, she asked me in terms of pilots, what makes you want to keep watching? Which I thought was a great question. And that led me in my thinking about the breakout star, which for me, I think is Michael Richards, which even though he doesn't do a lot in here, I just was thinking, okay, Jerry's not a great actor. (laughs) And, you know, he's kind of (laughs) likable, but... I can't see him like leading the show really. George is not likable. Um, maybe no. it was just the fact that he came was coming across as an expert, but clearly wasn't. Um, but Kramer's completely unique way of just being was just enticing. And so if I'm, I'm just thinking if I'm a viewer in 1989 and I don't know what this is about, I may be like, okay, that character. Hopefully, he gives us a lot of good laughs. And he will. He most definitely will. But in terms of actual success, it's sad because Julia Louis-Dreyfus is not present here. If she was, I would say it's her because she's had three different successful shows starring herself. Only talking about the pilot, I guess we can say Jerry, who is the most famous comedian of all time. So there's that. Yep. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. He became a household name. And I mean, we're, we're talking about him many years later. He's got a Netflix show. He, he, he took a very weak pilot and turned it into something amazing. I almost didn't want to answer this question on principle because <laughs> I also had JLD written, <laughs> Julia Louis. Is she, does she show up in the second episode? Yeah. I think I think there's, she's maybe at the end of the second episode. I think she is the breakout star in terms of a star. I, Jerry Seinfeld's not a star. Julia, you know, right. watching her in Veep and in her other shows, she's a wonderful person she's actually quite likable and her comedic sense is just incredible and jerry is a great comedian but in terms of star power it's always going to be her and this show really needed her. most definitely like she is kind of the only magnetic personality in the cast where your eyes drawn drawn to her and just watching her dance <laughs> i mean come on ah the dancing i i did have a short discussion with my husband tonight because he has only ever seen a few episodes of this show ever. You should divorce him. And <laughs> divorce uh, him and date Matt His Bowman. family didn't. His, and, well, I know that's not going to go well for no. certain reasons, but it's for a lot of reasons, including the fact that I love my <laughs> husband. Okay, um, his family didn't grow up watching TV. It was just funny to to talk with him about this, and I was talking about Elaine dancing, and he doesn't know what I'm talking about and I'm like all right your education's about to happen real fast and we're still in a pandemic mm-hmm. so I'm like this will be a great show to binge watch maybe we'll look up like the 
the top 10, 20 show, you know, episodes to watch from Seinfeld. So we don't have to watch all like whatever, seven, nine. I have a list for you already. It, certainly. Thank you. Um, is there, is this written somewhere? I do have it written down. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to include that in the, in our, our website and the link to that will be in our show notes. So Boom. we'll have that out for you. If you want to start your Seinfeld journey all over again or watch with a friend or spouse who doesn't know what Elaine's dancing <laughs> is. Okay. Taylor, we've got two more questions. I want to know who is your twin of the episode? Hmm, that is a very tough question. If we're going just from the pilot, it's like I have to say Jerry because I, it's clearly not the other two. But I don't think I'm anything like Jerry in actual personality other than being skinny and neat as a person. But for the series, I mean, there's all these odd characters. So I would love to say Jay Peterman. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> no, I wish. That... Well, I, he's not likable, but. No, but he know. has had quite a life. No, in, in reality, the person from this entire series who's most like me is probably Susan Ross, George's late fiance, because Aww. she's normal. So I think a lot of people would by default have to say <laughs> Susan Ross because she's just a, a real person, basically. Which is sad that they make her seem unlikable, yeah. but it's all, they're only unlikable because the people who star with her are actually unlikable and don't mm-hmm. like her. It's very sad. Well, I feel really conflicted about telling you this because you dogged on this character <laughs> the entire episode, and I'm not that proud of it. And this is a running theme. The running theme here is that every, <laughs> every time I watch a show, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm really just, this doesn't depict me as a great person. My twin of the episode is George. Well, this is two and in listen. a row that I've hated your twin. That's very sad. Maybe just pick another woman <laughs> then. It's fine. Um, all right. George, it's mostly his neuroses. And yes, that gets picked up so much more throughout the show. But even here, we see the beginnings of it. I think that was the really, you know, the only anchor of who he is as a character. And right. I am fairly neurotic not to George's extreme in any way. But he's also a good friend to Jerry. He's there when you need him. He takes, you know, takes him to the airport. And he is willing to talk about, you know, silly, minute things. And I just love talking to my friends. He so, even went to the laundry you know, laundromat and watched clothes dry. That's friendship. That's a that's a good friend, okay? So there's one <laughs> redeemable I'll thing about George. That. I have I have folded your laundry. I have folded your baby's laundry with much joy. <laughs> All right. I don't hate George. I I hate him in this episode more than any other, probably, because this isn't, it's, it's not, not real George. George. All right, our final question. Mackenzie, I want you to put on your pantsuit, become the executive at All NBC. Right. Actually, no, you're going to be, well, you're at Peacock now. You're only working for the streaming oh, service gosh. Peacock. I'm bef- I refuse to call it that. <laughs> All right. Would you pick up this show? With significant changes. Otherwise, no. So you'd say, come back, retool it, and we'll try again? Yes, and I don't, I don't think just because of the present moment. I would agree with the actual executives at the time who said you have to have a main character mm, who is a true. woman in this ensemble because it actually, I'm thinking, who is your demographic? And it, it is a little boring without having a woman besides the, you know, the lady pouring them coffee. And I read that, that she was supposed to be like the, the woman who they see in most of the episodes Yes, we didn't get to see where that went, but we just have such a gem in Julia Louis. So I, I think without the change of having a more dynamic character and having a woman, I think that would be very hard. I would say I like the style of humor because I think observational humor is 
so relatable. So I think they would they would have had me in that and I would have said, you know, I like where you're going with this and there's not a like a lot like it on TV, but you're going to need to make some changes. What about that you? That is fair. Would you pick up the show? I, you know, I wish I could say yes because clearly the the few executives who who saw what the show had the potential to become, you know, they pushed really hard to make this happen, but I don't think I would have had the balls to to do it. I think after if I had watched this, I would have said to myself, oh, "I enjoyed that even though I didn't actually laugh much but i have to imagine that other pilots from that pitch season would have appeared more likely to be successful aka baywatch so i'm gonna say no with the one caveat that i might have asked them to base a show around michael richards instead even though which is fascinating (laughs) because well yeah he did michael richards did have a show that that tanked so that just didn't work but maybe the the country was just crammered out i don't know do you think that Tina Fey needed to write that show because she can do zany real well in a in a way where it's just another world and I don't know if Michael Richards as Kramer can live in the real world and have a whole show about that's, him he's got to live yeah. in a Tina Fey world that's a very good point yeah I could see Tina Tina Fey Robert Carlock and Michael Richards team enough for success my last point I'll make is that it's interesting like I mentioned that the show showed hints of potential but when I look back on it and what made it so great, I'm not really thinking about, oh, it's the show about nothing. What a great premise. But it has, for a show that's not about anything, it has so many amazing one-liners and tiny ideas that I just think like Dolores or, you know, Elaine saying, get out and shoving Jerry. Or the concept of a close talker or man hands. Oh, the fact that they did a close talker, a long talker, a high talker, and a low talker. Oh my I gosh. Mean, it's just it's gold and where would we be without the soup nazi it's i mean it's a question i, I don't want to ask said no soup for you i think our dad has said <laughs> no soup for you or no no something else for you more than any other line <laughs> in our life i i think we learn a good lesson here about pilots and about new shows in general much like many other beloved shows like the office where you have to have a couple people really believing in something and seeing the potential for it. People who usually have a vision for what could be even in in comedy or in even in the anti-hero movement with Vince Gilligan and Breaking Bad, a, an idea of where TV could go to really push behind it. Right. Otherwise, we, we would lose so many of these gems, but somebody's got to be willing to take a chance and lose some money on it. Right. And good on those people for having some vision because I am not a visionary and I definitely would have said no so thank god for those people mm-hmm. well Mackenzie, we have had a lot of fun today this show is so dear to my heart i'm just sad that in an alternate reality i was the executive and i did not pick it up i think a great way to end would be to go back to an earlier question can you name the star of baywatch <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm trying real hard and i haven't googled i'm gonna go with david hoffman <laughs> it, it, there's a hoff <laughs> Hoffman. David Hasselhoff. 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 Yes. David Hasselhoff. Star in Germany. Our first bit of merchandise is going to be a t-shirt of you shouting Hasselhoff with your arms (laughs) stretched in the air. That is just what just (laughs) happened. Guys, you know, it takes twins. It takes takes two. Should we watch the Baywatch pilot is the real question. Next time on From the Top, we'll do it. Possibly. No. 
Next week on From the Top, we will stray from all the comedy we have been mired in and visit some hard-hitting drama. So let me play the theme song from the show we will be featuring next week. Well, I'm sure everyone tonight will just be thinking about David Hoffman slash Hasselhoff. (laughs) But Mackenzie, will you lead us in our little outro as we say goodbye? Yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody, to me never remembering anybody's (laughs) names, even though I love pop culture. Uh, This has been a lot of fun, and we do want to thank you for listening because this is such a fun thing to create for you. And if you want more, maybe we'll be sharing some great David Hasselhoff memes on Instagram (laughs) this week. I don't know. You can find us at fromthetoppod.com, and all of our social media is there, although our main social media is Instagram, and that's just fromthetoppod. And we'd love for you to join us there where we post more about the show, and we want to hear from you about what pilots do you want us to deep dive and dissect and maybe destroy your favorite character. I don't know. You can also subscribe, and we would love for you to leave us a review and rating at any of your favorite podcast listening apps or platforms. That's going to help more people find our show. And if you are enjoying your show, tell a friend about it. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next week. On From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie.